This is the Tallboy Podcast with Steve Buckley, Bob Ballard and Katie Wilde. Hello and welcome back to the Pool Boy podcast in March 2020, uh, which has been something of an unusual month for everybody. I think it's fair to say um, Bob and Casey are, are with me on the podcast, holed up in their London bolt holes. Uh, how are you keeping you two? All right. Thank you. A little bit uh, cabin feverish, maybe, but <laughs> no, I was, otherwise I was healthy. Crazy. Thank you. Yeah, stir crazy <laughs> very much. It's a... Uh, been a very strange few days and, and kind of few weeks leading up to this really it uh, seems so unreal and very surreal when you look outside on the rare occasions we are allowed to go outside the the lack of people the lack of anything pretty much in, in london which is normally uh, teeming with and and rammed with people well everything everything up in the air as, as you've kind of alluded to really i mean we were meant to be previewing what would have been the, the Olympic trials at the British Championships on this podcast, those uh, cancelled, of course, um, along now with the Olympics. So uh, we won't be previewing those because who knows what will happen in terms of the um, those uh, championships and, and selection for an Olympics, which will take place next year. Bob, it was really probably the only solution that those Olympics would go back a year. I think it's been inevitable for quite some time. Again, it's always about the timing. And obviously, while it was dragging on and people weren't giving a, a decision, a, a firm decision on it, there were still swimmers who were thinking it might happen. I was with a couple of swimmers um, only, what, 10 days ago who were still hoping, hope amongst hope that it might happen. I think they knew in their heart of hearts it wouldn't. But they've been training as if it was going to happen. So it's been a really hard. You know, everything pretty much since Christmas been geared up towards the trials and uh, they put a very hard block of work in since um, the turn of the year and um, it's not for nothing because obviously they, they'll have brought up um, a, good, a good background and stuff like that but they're going to have to go through this all again in 12 months time. And Katie what do you think uh, the impact of the sort of in, indeterminate delay might be on people's training programs and, and things as, as they try and figure out what they're aiming for? I, th I think the impact on training programs is, you know, it's it really is, as a lot of people have said to us, just another year. But it is the one that your your kind of your four year cycle builds up to. You look forward to an extent to uh, to having a proper break afterwards. And the thought for a lot of people that they have this anticipation um, leading up to Olympic trials and Olympics. Um, and they also have to wait another year for as like a proper break and perhaps their body needs a break it's just it's just very very difficult i think um some people obviously might benefit um like for, for example for me in 2008 i was really really unwell for a lot of the year and sort of trying to work out what was wrong and for someone in that position to learn that you had another year to get better and improve so perhaps people with injuries then it it might be a sort of blessing in disguise but I think for the majority of people, it's probably felt for the last three and a half years that everything has been building to this. And you've now got to somehow keep yourself in the zone for another year, which is really, really hard. Very tough from the funding point of view as well, I think, Steve, is that people will have been funded on their positions and obviously with certain 
clubs and uh, certain teams they're playing paying their subs now they've got nothing to come back on or nothing to come back with in terms of uh, preparation for that a lot of people were thinking well this might be my last year i'll have a crack at the olympics and see where we go from there well now people have to commit themselves to another 12 months otherwise they may not have done uh, but they the, the, the big carrot that's being dangled is the olympics so do they say right i was planning to retire in august do they say right i'm gonna have to find from somewhere though mentally i hadn't prepared for this another year uh, another massive block of training before i get there well it's going to be a, a big factor isn't it clearly i mean we spoke to to hannah miley on the last podcast and she was hinting that maybe this year might have been her last year that she olympics or not she may you know continue through the isl season at the end of the year and maybe that would have been it but um i'm sure she wouldn't have been the only one having those thoughts and uh you know katie the, the isl may well keep some of those swimmers in the sport till the end of this year and, and maybe that gives a, a bridge you know out of this hiatus and into an olympic year if they've still got the hunger yeah and i think you know we saw how how popular it's been in in this olympic year you know with everyone everyone thinking that they're gearing up uh, for next year and you know it might well be that it's a way of keeping people in the sport it's something fun to do um in the sort of short course season um it means that you carry on training you get some good racing in some real quality racing even though it'll be short course um it might actually make it easier for people who would otherwise sort of just see this endless block of training in front of them um to stay in the sport and and you know and perhaps an opportunity to earn a bit of money as well can we really go through a whole calendar year without a major long course event in this country though i think we'll have to well why can't we change the short course season around and make it long course i think a big part of it to be honest is is the american setup um i think the majority of americans see the the, the front half of the season as a short course season and, and you know you'll notice that an awful lot of meets um even in the uk are short course between sort of october and and december really so i i just think that is that in a normal year well yeah i think year, i don't I mean, think there's any reason why not if, if you if you don't have any long course events any competition for 12 months uh, in a long course pool surely you need it you've got to have it and go into the olympic year well, the, the Europeans have been moved from May to a notional date in August in Budapest, which may well now be you know, the main focus for for this season for, for international swimmers in Europe, at least, uh, assuming that we, we get past the, the virus restrictions that we have at the moment. But, I mean, August feels awfully soon for um, swimmers to be back at their, at their best shape after you know, disruption in March, April of their of their training cycle well if they're not back in the pool until june and they may not be is that a big enough amount of time to get themselves prepared for a major event like that i think it'll always be a major event that's got an asterisk by it um it's always going to be 2020 will be a weird year um i what i am really glad about is that they've made a decision about the olympics because i think there was a really horrible period where some countries people were able to train some weren't and you know as a swimmer without access to a pool in that time i i just think you know you must just be watching that with despair you think it's all building to this yeah it was very very difficult and i can understand why you know people it's it's such a huge thing so much work has gone into tokyo 2020 goodness knows if there'll be an athletes village next year because presumably all of that's been sold off ready for when the uh, olympics and paralympics had finished but but I think it's for the athletes, which is, you know, 
let's not forget that the games are not about you know american tv rights they are about the athletes should be um i think um i think it's the right decision and yes it took a bit long but you know we've got there in the end um and it's a shame but i think it's exactly the right thing well, I think they had their hand forced because when the Australians said they wouldn't go and the Canadians said they wouldn't go, you, you can see all the little building blocks coming apart there. So the IOC had no choice. It, well, I think they had their hand forced. I don't think it's the decision they wanted to take. They were talking about a four-week period where they were going to discuss it. And all of a sudden, within four days, they made that decision. As soon as countries took the bull by the horns and said, right, we're going to make a decision. If you can't, we will. Uh, as soon as the, some of the major countries started pulling out, they, they thought, well, there's absolutely no point in us going ahead with maybe only Japan as a country are competing here. It would have been it would have been very odd, wouldn't it? And it wouldn't have been a, a proper Olympics if it had gone ahead. But we know now that it will be next year. Maybe the Europeans will get pushed back into you know, what has traditionally been the short course championship slot. I mean, uh, there will be a, a world short course, I think, at the end of this year, or probably a, uh, a sort of December time. Maybe that could become a, a focus point for a long course championship, uh, you know, which may give a, a good few months of training for, for swimmers to get back in shape but we will see how that calendar pans out um katie you mentioned that you know that the delay may be a benefit to some people maybe those who are injured um uh, and we've spoken about how um, maybe the delay will be difficult for those who perhaps thought this would be their last year in the sport but clearly there are going to be you know uh, youngsters coming through who that extra year could make a massive difference to and, and maybe they would have been very long shots at making an Olympic team this year who will who will come from nowhere and actually make, make the squad for next year. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've talked a lot about a couple of our sprint freestyle girls, um, Freya Anderson and Anna Hopkin, who just seem to be improving all the time. And I think, you know, they're the sorts of people who might benefit from it, um, as well as, you know, we've we've spoken a little bit about the possibility of a women's 4 by one and maybe 4 by 2 relay um, as... At, at, at the moment, um, we haven't qualified those those teams. Whether or not there'll be chances to do so in the next year, um, you know, obviously that's something to be discussed. But maybe that does give us another chance to qualify some more relays. I think someone pretty exciting like Joe Litchfield, who seems to be just improving leaps and bounds at the moment. That's that's he's probably one who would have had an outside chance of making the team. But in a year's time, he could be well on there. Um, so I think there are a lot of people who will benefit, maybe a couple of people who've been having an off year. Um, that I think, you know, for example, someone who's who's a, a great person to have on the British team, but we haven't yet seen the performances we're used to has been Alice Thomas this year. Um, maybe, uh, I mean, a lot of people, obviously, we won't have done a taper meet yet um, this year, so we won't have seen what kind of shape they're in. But perhaps a few of the performances we've seen from her this year haven't been up to her best. And a little bit of extra time could maybe just help her get there. I think our uh, male freestylers also will benefit from having another year. Our teenage ones coming through. Uh, we've got so many good 15, 16, 17-year-old freestylers in this country that another year will benefit them greatly, I think. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, uh, what we need is for the for the, the current guard to hang on and uh, and for the new the new wave to come up behind them. And uh, yes, it could be a very interesting uh, set of selections for next year. Um, someone else who might benefit from a 12-month delay, uh, and we're perhaps less uh, pleased about, would be uh, Sun Yang. He got his uh, eight-year ban uh, in relation to his uh, run-in with the, the testers uh, you know, a year or so ago. 
but that extra delay unfortunately probably gives more time for an appeal to go through um but you know which maybe might see him back in the water we all hope not presumably I definitely hope not yeah i don't think he should ever be back in in international competition um so yeah i hope uh people who don't deserve to benefit don't benefit and i hope all those that do do so duncan scott's had the last laugh on that one yeah and i think that's enough of sun yang um <laughs> right so there has actually been before you know the shutters came down on on great britain there was some swimming that took place uh, in march uh in the first couple of weeks of the month uh right at the beginning of the month there was the uh the, the finals weekend for the National Swimming League, the Arena League, uh, which took place in Cardiff. And the uh, the cup final this year was won by the team from Mount Kelly. So uh, we uh, thought it would be good to have a chat with uh, with someone who could tell us all about that victory. So we um, we uh, spoke a little bit earlier to uh, Emma Collings-Barnes, who is the head coach of, of Mount Kelly. So let's have a listen and, and see what she had to say. So earlier this month, we uh, saw the final of the Arena League in Cardiff, um, and the, the cup final this year was won by Mount Kelly. And someone who's here to tell us all about uh, that is the head coach of the Mount Kelly team, uh, Emma Collings-Barnes. Emma, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. No, pleasure, pleasure. So, uh, as I mentioned there, you, uh, you were victorious in, in that Arena League final, so uh, you must be a very happy coach. Oh yeah, extremely happy. Um, it was uh, it was actually a vision that myself and my predecessor Robin saw about four years ago. And uh, obviously, as as the way the the league works, you have to start in the sort of Division Two, Division Three, and work your way up. And um, for us to come away with the win in our uh, debut in the final, um, I, I honestly couldn't have been happier. The uh, the the whole experience was was fantastic. Having had I think I've been to seven arena leagues, uh, arena league finals with three different clubs. Um, that one was definitely the, uh, the the pinnacle. It was a good day. Did you go with um, with aspirations to win? I mean, you you'd come out of a very tough Western League, um, you know, beating Millfield comfortably, probably in that, in that Western League final. So were you yeah. going in confident that you could you could you know, do well in Cardiff? Um, well, look, we were never going to go into it trying to aim to sort of come top three. It had to be uh, if we were winning the Southwest final, we, we can win the whole thing. Um, you know, the, the Southwest is has got incredible strength and it's only going to get stronger next year with the introduction of, of Team Bath as well. Um, and and ultimately, you know, when we, we did come away with the win from the regional round uh, for the kids, it was it was we weren't going to walk, walk away with anything but but the win. So. Uh, we knew we could do it. Um, we'll have one of my my assistant director, Greg. He's a bit of a stats man, so he'd uh, run some stats um, prior, and we knew we had a very very strong second half. So if by halfway we were in the top three, uh, we knew that we could win it. Um, but you know things happened, don't they? On the day, the uh, third to last event, we got a disqualification, and, and I almost had a heart attack. And I thought the whole thing was over. So, um, but the kids were fantastic. They pulled through. Uh, it was uh, really a win or nothing, you know. You mentioned that DQ. I was going to ask you about that because uh, you were, I mean, maybe not comfortably um, ahead, but you were were leading with those three events to go. And you say you had a heart attack when that 
when that DQ happened in that that boys relay. Uh, I mean, these things happen in swimming. But were you were you still thinking that that you would you pull it off? I mean, Millfield had close to I think four points at that point, so it was uh, it must have been a tense time. I um I saw yeah I mean look I I had a little look I saw the DQ I took a deep breath and you just got to carry on. Um, I'm very aware in those situations that that your team the kids are are watching you and your behaviours and your reactions, and it was really important. I kept my cool at that point, but again I, I just sort of relied on my other coaches. Uh, so I went up and whispered in Greg's ear, "Have we got enough?" And he's like, "If we come fourth in the next one, we've got it." So I kind of. Just deep breath, um, keep calm and carry on, and all of that. So um, yeah, it was a it was a hairy one. The, our last ten events were very strong, and we knew that, and the kids were aware of that. We'd spoken about that a couple of times. Um, so I kind of thought, you know, what we can still do this. Um. Well, so you, you went off that and actually won the next relay, I think, with the with the girls. So uh, that, you bounced straight back, really, from the from the setback. That's it. You've just got to keep your eyes on what you can control, you know, control the controllables, not worry about things that have happened. So uh, and the kids were incredible. And I have to say, like, um, the response to it for the, for the whole community was fantastic. And I, I, afterwards, as, as a, a group of coaches, we sat down and reflect on why it was such a, a big deal for the school and for the community. And actually, over the years, you know, hundreds of swimmers have contributed to us moving up through the ranks and, and contributed to last year's. Obviously, last year we had a big disappointment when, after the um, the regional rounds, uh, our places got reversed from the virtual gala with Millfield, and it meant that we just made the B final. Um, so we we had a, a sort of a bit of a disappointment with that. But you know, those swimmers, I was very aware that weren't going to be around this year, going off into university programs, felt that disappointment um, and and really struggled with that. And actually. When we, we, we bounced back and, and won it this year, it was the first thing I did. I contacted those swimmers that were involved in it last year that felt that disappointment and, and thanked them um, because they, they were really quite a formidable team. Um, and, and as they are this year, you know, they did a fantastic job. Emma, it's Bob here. I've got a couple of quick questions for you. Um, firstly, what do you think the swimmers get out of this mostly? And the second question uh, kind of related to that is the exposure this gets. It always seems to happen. And very few people outside of those who are competing in it or involved in it actually know it happens. Do you think it should have a higher profile? I think it's a it's I mean, obviously, the introduction of the ISL is um, is quite important. It, it gives uh, a sort of more professional atmosphere of of the Arena League. Um, but, you know, the Arena League for a lot of these swimmers from a very young age is is the actual pinnacle of, of their career. You know, I have swimmers that have said to me after the win saying I will never, ever forget this day. You know, it was one of the best days and it could be one of the best days in their swimming careers uh, ever. And and actually, I think it's important to recognise that because um, as much as in the in sort of grand scheme of things, it's um, it's, it's not a massive deal in, in, in terms of elite swimming. But it is a big deal in terms of developing our future um, Olympians. Um, it's these kind of meets that, that give that extra little bit of motivation, that extra little bit of buzz about what we do. Um, and I'd love to see it um, have a little bit more exposure. I think the more teams that get involved in it, the better. You know, it was so competitive um, that, that the cup final this year, so unbelievably competitive. I mean, the points reversed uh, about, I don't know, six or seven times. And it was 
as much as I was <laughs> tearing my hair out and I, I was very, very nervous about it, it was fantastic to see, you know, to see the the, the different ways that the kids responded in, in different teams. And it was electric. Uh, it was a fantastic day. Because you're too young to remember We Are The Champions. It was a big thing on TV uh, when I was growing up. Was it a, a similar kind of thing um, which you could easily equate with swimming? Now, if that made TV or, or actually made streams these days, I think it would actually captivate quite a few people and, and drag people into swimming that might otherwise not watch swimming. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, so I mentioned the ISL, similar sort of thing. You know, I, my um, my wife has no interest in swimming whatsoever, and I have a, a really difficult time to get her engaged in, in, in that sort of thing because, you know, everybody has their, their passion and swimming's just not something she's into. However, the Rena League and, and ISL is, is two things that she, she you knows she said, oh, should I put the swimming on? Um, and, and that screams volumes, you know. It really is um, a very, a very interesting um, meet. It's the kind of meet that's fast-flowing, uh, things can change quickly, that interests people that don't really watch the sport Um you know, as a hobby or as an interest themselves. And um, just as a, I'd like to give a context of sort of what you've done as a team and as a coach, uh, am I right in thinking that when you when Mount Kelly, it was pretty much a, a new team? Um, I, I think like not many people, you know, people may be aware that it's a sort of school-based team, but how does it all work? How have you you know, building it up to, to be at the point where you're one of the top teams in the UK? Um, well, I've actually been part of uh, sort of the school since 2012. Um, I think not a, not a lot of people realise that we're, we're the formerly known Kelly College. Um, and, you know, 30, 40 years ago, they had, uh, you know, about sort of seven or eight Olympians, Andy Jameson, Sharon Davis, Robin Brew. Um, so, you know, the, the school has a, a, a real deep history of producing, you know, quality talent. Um, when I joined in, in 2012, um, Robin was in charge and uh, he was a fantastic mentor to me. Um, and um, we sort of built a little bit of momentum quite at that, that early stage. Um, when the opportunity uh, came about to, um, to apply for the director job, it, it, it just felt right for me. And I think... It gave me an opportunity to really open up with some of the ideas I had. Um, we're not a swimming club, um, and I think that's probably the, the first point to get across there. We are a school, and we're a relatively small school, and there's only 580 pupils in the whole foundation. So that's from pre-prep all the way up to sixth form. Uh, so we're, we're really quite a small school, um, but we do have 150 swimmers. Um, and when I took over, one of the main um, the main missions for me was ensuring um, some of my my values and my beliefs, and, and really making sure we got the right culture behind what we do. Um, and we really picked up momentum uh, in that first year, um, and and we had um, we we grew a little bit in size, uh, but we did have some really world class performances, uh, namely from uh, a lad called Federico Vadiso. Uh, ended up being the youngest male in history to win a European long course medal in two and fly. Um, so that was, you know, that was in Glasgow. So that gave us a little bit of momentum in terms of, of moving towards world class again. Um, and, and then the, the next year after that was all about um, making sure that those behaviours, those values, what we stand for as a school, not just a swimming programme, 
and really integrating the whole program into the school and helping the teachers understand, you know, what it is that these kids have to do every single day, helping people understand why why they're so passionate about it, why why I'm so passionate about it, um, and and the the education process around that. Um, and it actually ended up really, really helping performances. We had, um, you know, members of the senior leadership team here at the school making the effort to come up to the national championships. And it was really nice to see, you know, when you've got a, a swimmer there sort of making a final going into potentially winning a medal at nationals and then seeing the deputy head of the school there uh, cheering them on, their faces just light up. Um, it's just basically just moving forward that positive culture um, and, you know, that that sort of pinnacle. I never thought I'd say this, uh, you know, our season has ended with Arena League in March, but it's it's in a way, at least we do have that, that obviously the season um, kind of being stripped away from us, we, we've finished on a, on a pretty pretty big high. So You mentioned there that uh, the, the season has come to an abrupt end. Uh, what have you got your, your swimmers doing now? Presumably they've all you know, gone home and uh, are out of the water. So what, how are you keeping them sort of engaged and fit? Um, we've got a few still here. Unfortunately, we've got some overseas swimmers that, that um, you know, due to border restrictions, are unable to get home. Um, so, uh, you know, I live on site, and I've got a couple of the other coaches that live on site. So, in in the meantime, just here on site, we're just trying to keep them engaged and 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 basically have a little bit of fun. Um, but in terms of what we're doing remotely, we've worked out um, a sort of weekly structure. I think. There is a lot of disappointment sort of currently in the next in the past couple of days around obviously the 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 little bit of a carrot that was being dangled for everybody in terms of of nationals that's now gone so it was really um we were put that structure in place around just keeping them engaged for that now our structure is going to be keeping them engaged to see this as an opportunity um you know, and, and we're, we're setting up a structure around um, keeping the community together, um, making sure that everything we do, we're talking about it, uh, you know, as much as we can on, on uh, sort of thing using apps like Zoom and um, we're communicating really, really well. Um, so basically, we have a, a, a quite a similar weekly structure in terms of what we would do here, but we have key sessions that we would like them to focus on. On a Monday, uh, we uh, design what we call swim simulation sets. So we're trying to break down some sets that we would do normally here um, and simulate those movement patterns on land. Uh, so, for instance, last week's was 10-200s aerobic maintenance. We just broke down those movement patterns. So in their head, they're trying to still correlate it against what they would be doing in the pool. Um, Wednesdays, we are um, going live on Instagram and uh, our strength and conditioning, a head of strength and conditioning is leading uh, an Instagram live session now. And that's for the whole community. Uh, we really want as many people as possible to join in on that. Just just so we can, you know, again, I keep saying the word community, but I do feel that we have a duty um, to not just our own swimmers, but to the to the whole swimming world. Um you know, and if we can help out a little bit, we will. So we do those Instagram lives at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday. Um, and then on a Friday, we'll have a group a group stretching session and then have squad meetings with their respective coaches. So it's nothing too fancy. It's all very simple stuff, but it's all around feeling engaged and still part of the team and still working on some of those culture um, issues that we've been, been working on over the past 18 months. Tell us about this video that's gone viral. I was waiting for you to bring that up. 
Um, <laughs> I'm pretty, you've seen it then. Many times, yes. You beat me to it. That was my next question. <laughs> okay, so um, again, uh, I've got a very creative coaching team. And uh, obviously, when this was all kicking off, uh, a few of the coaches felt like they, they couldn't contribute in, in other aspects, but they felt that they could contribute in this way. And uh, our assistant director, Greg King, he's uh, he's a singer, uh, been on X Factor uh, a couple of years ago and said, look, I've just been driving into work, singing uh, to wherever, whenever uh, by Shakira. I'm going to rewrite the lyrics. We're going to film it. Let's have a laugh. Let's get people engaged and motivated. And, and even if uh, our, our swimmers find it cringe, uh, at least I'll have a giggle. Um, so we ended up filming this music video around campus and um, it proved to be a, a bit of a you know a hit for everybody. I think it gave everyone a little bit of five minutes escapism. It certainly, it certainly did that. So uh, well done for uh, lightening the mood. Um, there was just one other thing I, I wanted to ask before we uh, before we went down that was um, the the 50 meter pool you've got, which I think came from the London Olympics. You know, maybe five years ago ish, six years yeah. ago, maybe. Did that make a big difference to you? Huge. Yeah, huge difference. Um, you know, we, we fought really hard for that. Um, we knew it was going to be make, you know, it was going to open doors for us. Um, meaning, you know, before the arrival of the 50 meter pool, we were working about 60, 70 swimmers out of a four lane 25 meter pool, considering three different school timetables. Um, so it was a challenge. So, you know, they were still training late at night. Some of them, you know, even starting at 4.30, which I know for a lot of clubs is is the reality um, for them. But, you know, we, we really wanted to see how we could move this forward. So having that 50 metre facility, as well as the 25, because uh, we made it into one big swim centre, uh, was an absolute game changer. It meant that we could make sure that um, in terms of the performance side of what we do, they were getting really you know, good training hours, uh, starting no earlier than six in the morning, um, finishing no later than 7.30. Um, and, it, and it really gave some of our pupils time back. Um, you know, the, the way we schedule things now is that at least once a week, we, we make sure they have a, an evening free. So even if they're finishing at 4.30, uh, you know, they're getting that evening free to make sure that our academics is uh, spot on and they're up to date with all of that and then you know being able to be children and just enjoy boarding school environment and have uh, friendships outside swimming and, and get involved in other sports if, if they so wish to do so um, sounds really good sounds really good now just one more thing before we uh, let you go because uh, i know you've you've a bit of an open water swimming background um yeah. i i uh, published a piece this week about um, ice swimming uh, and the guys that decide to go and jump in uh, freezing cold lakes and swim a mile. Uh, what, do, what do you make of that? Something you would have uh, taken on? Uh, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know why anyone would, but, you know, hats off to them. Um, I think with, with just open water swimming for me, I was just, there wasn't that many people that did it back then. <laughs> so I was just one of those sort of few people that actually thought, you know, what, I'm a tough northern bird. I'll, I'll get in and give it a shot. Um, and that's as simple as it got for me. But ice swimming, I don't think so. I mean, would you? <laughs> it's not for me. They they uh, <clears throat> sound a bit mad. You can uh, you can read that on Pool Boy if uh, you want to find out the ins and outs of it. But um, no, not for me. Not for <laughs> me at all. Um, I've, I've got one more, just a quick question uh, to Emma. What do you think should happen with the swimming calendar now from a club point of view? Um, I suppose 
I suppose the answer to that is I'm not too sure at the moment. Um, I see it very much from a school perspective. Um, as we've mentioned before, you know, I work for a school. So really, I think schools have got to try and work out how how the calendar is going to go there first before I, I would be able to to see how that happens. You know, there's potentially the option of making um, a, a more of an age group championships at the end of this this annual calendar. So maybe in December. Um, but, you know, I think really if, if we get over the situation um, around when we think we are, I, I'm kind of thinking that schools might bring term dates forward um, and maybe start in August, which then you can sort of really assess and, and see what happens around that. Um, but look, 2021, whatever happens, it's a it's a year of opportunity. Uh, and, and for us at Mount Kelly, it's about finishing what we've started this year. So who knows what's going to happen? Well, well, we all wait to see what will happen with the calendar once we get through the current situation. But um, Emma, it's been fantastic to talk to you. So thank you very much for joining us. No, thank you for having me. And uh, you guys all stay safe. Yeah, you too. And uh, c- congratulations again on your in league win. Thank you very much. That was uh, Emma Collings-Barnes, the head coach at Mount Kelly, who was uh, just filling us in on, on what's going on down there and uh, their victory in the Arena League. Uh, Katie, fond memories of the uh, Arena League Speedo League from when you were swimming? Yeah, yeah, it used to be, I mean, as a, as a team, we just approached it. Yeah, it was sort of one of our biggest things of the year. Um, probably not helped um, by an almost unhealthy dose of rivalry with a, a nearby team but um it was yeah it's a huge event and one of the few opportunities you get in the uk to compete really uh, you know make it feel like it's a team event so yeah it's a great achievement by them no, fantastic fantastic event and uh, clearly one that remains uh, very popular with uh, with swimmers up and down the country uh right on the 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 cusp of, uh, as I say, everything coming to a shuddering halt was the uh, Edinburgh International Swimming Meet as well. Uh, it took place up there in Scotland. Um, saw some uh, some really great swims, actually, um, from the swimmers that made it up there. Uh, Katie, you, you conjectured with me that uh, that maybe people were putting themselves in the shop window in case there weren't any uh, any Olympic trials. Um, and with the the sort of interim policy that British Swimming announced that would have been a very sensible strategy had the, the Olympics not moved on uh, and been pushed back a year. But uh, there were some great swims up there. Uh, notably, uh, I thought Tom Dean, uh, 203, he won, a, won that in a 146.03, which one of the fastest Brits, I think, ever, and uh, up to third in the world. Um, and it, it's a real, a real step forward for him, Bob. Yeah, he's a star, uh, absolute star. I think the Otami was slightly below his best. The Otami we've really seen him slightly below his best was in Guangzhou last summer. Um, but um, he's got so much talent, so much ability, and I think we're going to see him as a potential star. I think we're talking about people who might potentially benefit from another 12 months before they're right in the thick of the action again. He might be one of those we're talking about. I'd love to have seen him compete this year but i think another year is not going to do him any harm at all i think uh whereas he might have been on the cusp of a medal or two this year perhaps next year he'll he'll be right in the mix and he was followed home by james guy who was pretty you know, solid 146.7 which is a, a good in-season time for him and he also posted a 156 200 fly so a real shame we couldn't see how he was going to go at trials because he'd been something really well through the isl season and, and into this early long course season yeah i think um james is you know, again, he's still for me 
uh, a great relay swimmer who's not quite yet done the individual swims I'd love to see from him. I think they're coming. I'm hopefully they're going to come uh, next year, the next couple of years, certainly for Worlds and for the Olympics. But, you know, he, he is one of those absolutely rock-solid relay swimmers who, who, who puts it right on the line when he's up with other people and trying to help his quartet through. Uh, still, apart from that wonderful breakthrough in Barcelona, still don't think we've quite seen the best of him internationally yet individually and um again that that can maybe wait for another 15 months well he did win the world title in 2015 bob in the 203 i think you know i think we should give him some credit for that no no i'm, I'm not I'm not looking at him at all as, you, as you're well aware i'm a, a big fan but I, I just think that there's such an enormous amount of talent uh with, with james and i think the move to um dave mcnulty will pay dividends i think long term I agree. I certainly think he's looking more like his old self. So uh, fingers crossed he can uh, he can keep that going uh, until next year. On the ladies' side, Katie, uh, you mentioned Freya Anderson already on this podcast. She was very impressive again, 53.9 in the 100 uh, and a PB 24.88 in the 53. Yeah, I mean, very consistent from her. But I think interesting, as um, we spoke to her coach, Alan Bircher, he was saying about you know, they're, they've only just really been able to start working on her speed and she's seems to really, really be coming into her own on the on the fast stuff. So um, I think, you know, she was ready this year. She'll be more ready next year. Um, I don't think we need to worry about what another year will do um, for Freya. She looks like she's just on an upward trajectory. And you mentioned also Alice Thomas. Uh, we saw one of her 200 fly uh competitors laura stevens said a pb 2076 uh, up there in edinburgh so uh, do you think there'll be some benefit of some domestic rivalry because uh, alice has you know kind of leapt ahead of everyone else a bit in the last couple of years yeah i think so i mean it's 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 sort of interesting as to because it will change an awful lot of people's plans so you know i i have no idea what alice is planning on doing um after this year but she's certainly at the sort of older end of the the british team and might be one of those people who you know, the thought of another full year of training is is it's a tough one. But then she's obviously an incredible swimmer and would have a good chance of making the Olympic final, maybe even if she's at her best getting an Olympic medal. Um, but then, you know, when you look at some of the younger swimmers, perhaps someone like Freya might have been thinking of moving on because um, she's in a, a sort of school club program at the moment um, at the end of this year. But perhaps it changes, you know, your, your plans and you might well decide that you're going to stay where you are um i don't i'm not quite sure what the situation with laura is but it might well be something similar but certainly that's got to be a swim that gives her a lot of confidence i wonder if in the space of a year steve we might be able to find some distance swimmers as well both male and female well they're, they're a bit thin on the ground certainly at the elite level dan jervis was uh, pretty solid up there um in, in edinburgh as well but he is plowing a lone furrow really in the distance swimming uh discipline at an international level for great britain so maybe maybe another year as you say will unearth somebody who can can take those big steps forward and and give them some competition if nothing else so uh, that would be good um one final swim i thought i would just to highlight and you know he, he keeps on doing this because he is just no well he is the best isn't he let's face it adam Peaty uh leapt himself to the top of the world rankings in a 58.13 um which isn't really no, doesn't rank that highly on his personal list, but mm-hmm. is the fastest in the world this year, and is still a time that's faster than anyone else has ever swum. So, um, you know, some things don't change even amongst all this, uh, all this strange 
And Mr. Well. Greenback as well, I need to mention uh, Luke as well, has been swimming very well at the beginning of the year. Indeed, yeah, he was. He has been uh, has been swimming very well this this year. Uh, I think he was 157, I think, up in up in Edinburgh. So another solid um, solid 200 back from him there. And we need him to keep doing that, obviously, with the relay in mind and, and think about his hundred um, as well. So yeah, pretty solid all round as as people's you know what what they would have hoped, I guess, were sort of last warm up swimmers for trials. But um, you know, some some very good swimming up there indeed. Uh, well, that's that's probably it for this season in terms of um, swimming in the in the pool. Certainly for a few months. Um, Can I just say very quickly, well done to all the teams who are doing fantastic stuff online that we're getting to see. Uh, Sheffield, Wickham, Leeds, who are all ones I've seen in the last couple of days, who are doing fantastically inventive and very humorous. Um, things they can't obviously do anything in the pool they do a lot of dry land stuff and try and do what they can with the uh, material and the uh, facilities they have but uh, I think uh, a lot of the the top clubs and a lot of the smaller clubs as well are doing fantastically inventive stuff at the moment and should be given great credit for that absolutely agreed as Emma said it's uh, it's a case of keeping everyone engaged and and ready for when they're back in the water later in the year so uh, yeah well done to to all those coaches who were coming up with those there's ways of keeping their swimmers keen and, and fit and that's really great to see um so i think we will uh draw a veil over this podcast um and was it that bad <laughs> and uh, well you know it's a bit of a bit of a strange place to be um who knows we maybe we'll be back in a month i don't know what we will have to talk about but um you know, there are some other things in the pipeline that i'm working on that um hopefully we will uh, be able to to release uh, to, to fill the, the gap if you like but um, as ever it's been great talking to you both Bob, Katie, thanks, thanks very much for your uh, inputs Thanks Thank you for having us uh, As I said hopefully we'll be back soon but um, we're obviously beholden a little bit to, to what goes on in the swimming world uh, In the meantime if you want to get in contact I'm on Twitter at Poolboy on Facebook uh, facebook.com slash uh, poolboy uk or you can get in contact via poolboy.co.uk forward slash contact uh, and you can read all about the ice swimmers uh, on their poolboy.co.uk as well if you want to see what it's like to jump into a lake at zero degrees c so something to look forward to when when the winter comes around again so uh, until the next time thanks so much for listening you've been listening to the pool boy podcast for more episodes, visit www.poolboy.co.uk slash podcast.